Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything didn't move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we are back for another day of training camp here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 200. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with the man screaming to my right and the man silently brooding to my left, Ben Fennell, (laughs) Chris McPherson. We're here to break down what we saw today at training camp. Let's get to it now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so very first thing at the very top, I want to ask you again, the best way to support the show, go rate, review. You already subscribe most likely, but go give us a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got a few reviews and questions we will hit on at the end of the show, but just want to hit you right off the top. Right off the top. Number one way to support the show, go on, leave us a rating, and leave us a comment. All right. Uh, guys, this is our last practice before uh, the second preseason game. Uh, C-Mac, a different weather, different uh, different setting than we're used to. A little bit of rain, a little yeah. heavy, heavy cloud cover today. It's nice. Um, but uh, what, what was the big takeaway walking away from the field? Number one thing. Give me one thing, one takeaway. Wow, one thing. All right, I'm going to say defense largely won the day. Ooh, okay. And I'm going to go to a red zone period, low red zone period, where Carson Wentz is in there with the starters, he fires a ball out of bounds. Next play, high and behind Nelson Aguilar. Oh, is this three-play stretch? Yep. And then the next play, out of bounds, no one in the area. Yep. And they finish off that session, that, that set for the starters by handing the ball off to Jordan Howard. Uh, I thought the defense flew around. I think Orlando Skandrick had an interception. Yep. If anyone else did, it's not coming to uh, top of mind at the moment. But the Skandrick one, I know, stood out to me. Uh, but overall, I thought... You know, the, the defense gave the Eagles offense fits in, in the red zone, and it's very interesting because Carson Wentz and the Eagles were phenomenal in the red zone. Going back to that 2017 season, Carson Wentz posted outstanding numbers in the red zone. That's You want to see him get back to that level in situational football in 2019. You know, just some... You know, rough patches here overall today, but the defense, credit to the defense, uh, stepping up in a big way. See, I, I actually <laughs> thought that this was a little bit of a better offensive day in terms of like a live act. It wasn't live to the ground, yeah. but uh, it wasn't a 10-10-10 like it was yesterday. I thought the offense, uh, they had a number of big plays today. Um, we'll, we'll get to some of those. Ben, I want to go to you. One, one big takeaway. I think I know who was your standout of the day, though. Well, the service dog Giuseppe on the sideline had a great practice, <laughs> came out with intensity in nearly every session. Uh, he's kind of on the roster bubble right now, so it's these types of practices that's going to move him up the depth chart. But uh, between the lines, I thought it was a pretty animated practice. It was a lot of fun, just a lot of yeah. close plays, some in the back of the end zone, some near the front pylon, a couple false start offsides where the players on each side got a little animated trying to help the refs out, even kind of doing their own refereeing impersonations there and uh, helping them out. Yeah, I mean, this was a Friday game week, right? So uh, heavy practice where they're focusing on situations. So that's why we saw a lot of red zone. We saw a lot of backed up, some mm-hmm. goal line stuff. And then also the team working on substitutions. And we will actually get into this 
a little bit later in the show, but uh, you saw the team early on work on different substitution patterns, right? So uh, if the first team offense is on the field, all right, first team special teams, or first team punt, you get out there. So work on, okay, here are the players that are going to be first team punt. All right, second team's offense on the field. All right, second team punt. Now you guys get out there just so that there's no uh, miscommunications uh, about who's who and who's supposed to be where uh, once you get the game down I think Thursday. that's just an aspect of the game of football fans really don't understand and appreciate. You watch it on TV to see guys kind of break the huddle and line up. But the actual organization and management of players, the calls, the signals, communicating to everybody, getting the right personnel out there, especially in the preseason when you have third stringers, fourth stringers, 90-man rosters, guys up, down, signed, left and right. There's a lot of moving parts, so making sure you're organized so it's not just looking like a fire drill out there under the lights at the stadium on TV. There's a lot of prep that goes in during the week to make sure everybody's on their P's and Q's and on the same page. It's something that seems so simple, but when you mess it up on game day, everyone notices. And right. Everyone, you know, The TV cameras put the spotlight on the position coach, the assistant coach who was responsible for not getting the players out there on time. So it's something that, you know, it's like snapping the ball. Mm-hmm. It's like... 99 times out of 100, yeah. you take it for granted. It's going to be perfect. It's that, but that one time that you mess up and it leads to a penalty, everyone's going to be pointing the fingers and at I you. also think you see a lot of the bodies behind the scenes doing things you're not really accustomed to seeing. There's a lot of assistant coaches or a lot of staff on the sideline. Football is very micromanaged. Everybody has roles and assignments, and it's all part of the collective kind of operation and making sure you're running it smoothly. So a lot of those assistants and stuff also have to be on their P's and Q's with their assignments and getting the players prepared and in the positions to obviously uh, go out onto the field. So uh, let's just get into We had a question that I was going to save for a little bit, but we're on the topic, so let's hit it. Uh, this is from Tigris1, who left a comment and a five-star rating on our Apple Podcast page. So whenever you do that, you're going to get onto the show. Tigris asks, with all the different sub-packages on offense and defense, who is responsible for letting the players know what package is being called? When Doug Peterson or Jim Schwartz makes a call, whether it's 12 personnel, nickel, dime, etc., who communicates to the players their package has been called? So what you'll typically see is if the if the offense is up the defense is obviously on the bench, right? So the sideline is going to be full with offensive players, and those guys are on high alert. They're watching what's going on on the sideline, but then also, you know, they're not they're not obviously in the headset. They can't hear the play being called, but assistant coaches that are on the sideline are. So let's say Doug Peterson calls for you know one of their 12 personnel groupings. And remember, it's not just one 12 personnel. There are multiple 12 personnel sets because you're going to change the running back. You might change the tight end. You might change the receivers. You know, there are, so there are varying uh, groups of the subsets of those different subgroups. But whatever, that, whatever group is being called, there are assistants on the sideline that, are, that might yell, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, and now there's the substitution aspect. And so that's when those things typically happen. You're looking out on the sideline, and you'll see that there are those assistants that are constantly yelling for guys to get up onto the bench. And then also, from a special team standpoint, what we just talked about, You'll often, when I was at Temple, our director of football operations, he was kind of in charge of this for whenever the defense was up, and if it was a defensive third down, he immediately is going around and he's saying, "All right, first, first team punt return, first team punt return, get up!" And they're up and ready. Like there was a uh, a mat that would sit on the ground. And you had to get on the dots. So there That's were, becoming uh, pretty popular around college football. Yeah. So like all all eleven guys had to get on the dots, and that way you know the the the, the ops guys able to look and say, "All right, all eleven dots are full. We've got eleven guys counted for. If there's only ten guys there and one dot's missing, they know they're missing somebody. They got to go get a body somewhere. So um, you know, and so that's what you'll typically see. Keep it on the sideline on third down." especially like Ben said, college football you'll see it a lot, but especially in the NFL as well, you'll see that they're starting to get those special teams groups ready to roll. I just love watching practice day in and day out. 
and just how smooth the operation is in terms of the script of plays, the personnel groupings going in and out. It's, you know, I won't even say controlled chaos because it's not chaotic whatsoever. It's just, it's like an orchestra playing a beautiful symphony. You know, the way that everything goes, everyone seems like to know their role and where they're supposed to be at all times, and there's very little confusion. It, it's it's quite impressive seeing how that all unfolds. Well, yeah. keep, in, keep in mind, too, or keep in mind that uh, the team has walkthroughs in the afternoon, and they have the meetings and stuff like that. And oftentimes what you'll see is a walkthrough at night or in the afternoon they're practicing what they're going to do tomorrow. So they've met about it. Let's walk through it. Now we're going to go for lo- go for real tomorrow. So uh, that gives them some time. That way, when you get into practice, it looks really clean. And hopefully game day, that's when you look at your absolute best. And like we were mentioning earlier, there's assistant coaches whose entire job is to relay the personnel grouping right. and make sure those guys are getting out on the field and certain players are coming off the field. But the coaches making the calls, typically they'll have a feel on where they like their players and their hopper of players. Certainly you have 11 on the field, but the guys at your disposal, a lot of coaches want them right behind them so they can make the call and say that personnel group and everybody hears. Uh, But it's definitely an echo chamber out on the sideline. You yell the personnel group, the assistant yells it, other offensive players yell it, and it's a lot of that quick communication. I mean, you have 40 seconds to get the personnel group on, off, relaying the play call, get lined up, go through whatever shifts in motion. So there's a lot of organization, and it takes really everybody on the staff on the sideline to make sure everybody's getting the message. All right, so great question there from T. Grizz. We'll come back to a couple more of those comments later in the show. All right, let's get to some of the things we saw on the field. Really, uh, like I said, kind of a lighter practice, right? But it was was still very animated. I would say the two sessions were, you know, honestly, and they were on the middle field, so we couldn't see a ton that was happening uh, when they were out away from us. But they they did a lot of red zone work today. So we got to see some stuff uh, really up close in the end zone. I don't want to go play-by-play, play, but we'll kind of go sequence-by-sequence sequence here because these two red zone periods, there was a full 11-on-11, 11 11, and then a little bit later there was a 7-on-7 seven seven red zone, and that's where really the bulk of the big plays happened in this practice. So um, I'll just start real real quickly, and we'll just kind of react as we go. Uh, the first sequence with the ones versus ones, red zone, 11-on-11, 11 11, Sidney Jones gets a pass breakup against Nelson Aguilar on the, left, or on the right side. Zach Ertz scores a touchdown uh, on a slant route, and then a couple plays later, Sidney Jones in coverage against Zach uh, on an incomplete pass, um, you know the, the Eagles continue to work. They, uh, C-Mac, you mentioned it earlier. Historically, have been a very good. I mean, that Super Bowl year, they were outstanding, yeah. like really, really good in the red zone. But typically, have been very creative down inside the twenty. And, and you saw them working on some of those concepts here today. And with Zach Ertz in particular, it's amazing how he's evolved in his career because he was involved in a lot of the big plays in today's practice. And you go back earlier in his career, he wasn't scoring a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. And you looked at not just the body type being 6'5", 250, but the style of player he is where you know he's good in contested catches and using his body to you know box out opposing defenders. And you're like, how is he not scoring more touchdowns in the red zone? And the way his game has evolved, the way that Justin Peel has done a great job of developing, he's gotten much, much better at that over the years. And that's why you see now when they're down inside the 20, Ertz is a go-to guy because of the hands, the footwork, because he can work along the sidelines, because of the route running and separation ability. Uh, it's He's really the complete package, the ultimate weapon down there. Uh, ben, I want to take it away just from this practice, but just looking big picture. I look at this team in the red zone, and you look at all the, the variety of personnel groups. I mentioned it earlier. It's not just, oh, they've got an 11 personnel and a 12 personnel. You know, 12, 12 personnel with one back, two tight ends, two receivers – 
that those two receivers, I mean, it could be Alshon and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. It could be Deshaun Jackson and Nelson Aguilar. It could be any combination of those four, among others, uh, that are in, uh, in position to make this team. But when you get down inside the 20, you could start really mixing and matching and toying. We've seen a lot of different combinations of guys. And when you factor in the, the running backs, Darren Sproles, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, any of those looks can have completely different feels but still have the same personnel group. Yeah, as I sit there and watch practice, the plays aren't confusing. It's the personnel that's confusing. The formations are confusing because they have so many different interchangeable combinations and so many different sets like a lot of these kind of Andy Reid uh, coaching tree uh Coaches out there, whether it's Frank Reich or Doug Peterson here, or obviously Matt Nagy, yep. Matt Nagy in Chicago, Andy Reid in Kansas City, the plays aren't exotic. The plays aren't that creative. Right. And it, sitting here at practice every day, we're really seeing some of the same concepts and play designs over and over and over again. But this assessment of who's in the game, where they're lining up, the formation they're running it out of, Sometimes that's a lot of the mental management, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that's that same concept. Right. But I didn't see it because it was out of a different look, and it's just it's just a model of the way Doug Peterson wants to run this team. It's a model of efficiency and being able to execute basic concepts really, really well, and I think that's why this offense is an efficient offense because, let's just face it, they don't have this giant you know, playbook of millions of concepts and creative plays. They do have some, you know, creative concepts out there, but the fact that they have staple concepts, they run very well, and then just disguise how they run it, I think that's just 2019 NFL offense. Uh, let's get to a little bit later now in practice. I think you're 100% right on, on everything there. Uh, Josh Perkins catches a touchdown from Cody Kessler uh, with the twos. Um, then let's get to a little bit later. Malcolm Jenkins runs in for a sack of Carson Wentz. Uh, he blitzes up the middle. And then Avante Maddox makes one of the big plays of the day defensively. Great diving pass breakup. Tight coverage against Zach Ertz yep. uh, in the back of the end zone. Shortly afterwards is that Orlando Scandrick interception, C-Mac, that you referenced earlier. Diving interception right at the right pylon. I remember looking at Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat's got both hands up on his helmet. Like, can't believe that Skandrick mm-hmm. uh, came up with the play. It was a, a really impressive play right at the front pylon. Going, going to the Maddox pass breakup, uh, some of the players who worked in with the defense, first-team defense at linebacker, TJ Edwards yeah. got some snaps in there today. Alex Singleton was in there at times. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, that caught my attention as well as, you know, you pretty much had your consistent stars up front and on the back end, but they're trying to just mix and match some of that personnel at linebacker. I really think that that's something that they've done over the last few years at different position groups. You know, they'll do it at D-line. I'm sure, like, next week if we're out there, uh, you know, we'll see. All right, you know, they've got the backups in the secondary up with the starting front seven. Yeah. Just try and mix and match where they can. They did it yesterday, and they, they did it again today. Yeah, and we've seen over the past couple of years defensive back depth is important. You yep. need it. It's going to be relied upon at some point. But, man, I sit here and watch Avante Maddox every day and to watch him smother Deshaun Jackson on one rep and then the very next rep smother Zach Ertz. That's a big tight end and a very shifty, fast kind of slot receiver. Avante Maddox is making a case. I'm very difficult to take off the field. Mm. And he maybe doesn't factor in as a starter just because they have a wealth of defensive backs and some very good starters on the first line, but... I just think having those versatile players that can play safety, nickel, corner, guard tight end, slot receivers, I mean, this is a very valuable asset for any defensive back room. What's interesting with Maddox is in between snaps when he's not in the game, 
he's standing in the back of the end zone with Corey Unlin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's in his ear. He's going over teaching points, watching the play unfold from the back. So it's good that he's getting that extra communication with him because Unlin likes to be out there, you know, watching everything from the back of the end zone. Well, Max wants to be where the teacher is to make sure that, you know, he sees what coach is seeing and can kind of pick up those finer points. So towards the end of the period, uh, and see, Mac, I think this was this was the sequence that you were referencing earlier. Uh, the offense, it was it, it didn't get a, it was a couple incompletions in a row. The first one zipped through right past a receiver. I forget who the receiver was. It, it had rained a little bit during the beginning of this period. Remember, so the grass was a little slick. The ball skips off the turf, comes up and hits a little kid right in the, uh, right in the chest, right and. This kid, I it happens and I'm like, oh man, like this kid's gonna start crying, like oh no. This kid shrugged it off, was perfectly fine. Like two or three staffers came running over. Are you all right? Are you all right? Then somebody else will come over. Hey, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay. Avante Maddox comes over. He's like, oh, are you are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. And the dad yells, he's always a pit fan. So you know, Avante <laughs> Maddox goes back and he's like, oh, you know, uh, gives him a fist bump. Trainer came over. Hey, do you want some water? He's like, no, I'm okay. This. That was a tough little kid. That was that was well, nice. Thing. My whole thing, seeing it was, I think, <laughs> Ert, the the pass was intended for Ert. Okay, I and I, saw, and I saw the ball skid. I hit. I'm like, why wasn't the dad? The dad standing right next to him. I said that to Ben, and Ben didn't want to hear it. <laughs> it's every man for herself out there, you know. I had to protect the dog. I was on Giuseppe's <laughs> side. I didn't Giuseppe see what was going on over there. I didn't know if he's going to be able to get his paws up, so I had to get in front of the in front of the dog. There, 130 you know? pound service dog. That's a, that was a big dog. That was a big that dog. Was a big dog. Yes. Uh, all right. So that's that red zone session ends. Now we we break. I I believe it was special teams, and they come back for another seven-on-seven seven period. He's not just a run plugger, zone. all right? Giuseppe can play in space, too. <laughs> Don't make right? me use the wide retriever uh, <laughs> the wide retriever pun again. Um, all right, so uh, you talked about the, the you know Avante Maddox matchup, uh, Ben. Second play of that period, Carson Wentz goes to Deshaun Jackson. Looked like a, a slot fade down in the red zone. Uh, perfect pass against Avante Maddox over the shoulder. Avante couldn't touch it. Uh, Deshaun comes down with touchdown. Fans were, were happy to see that one. Yeah, I just love the the different opportunities they're giving Deshaun to work. A lot of the tight splits, working from the slot, giving himself a lot of space to the sideline when maybe there isn't that vertical space down in the red zone. Um, just something not... You know, we're kind of still wondering where Deshaun's value is in, in the red zone at this point in his career. You know, is he going to be able to make those slant catches over the middle? Are you going to have enough space to take tops off of defenses? But seeing a big box fade there in the red zone where Wentz had to really make the quick read and drop it in right to that back corner was nice to see. Uh, so in the beginning of this period, I want to—I don't want to miss this point. Uh, Ronald Darby and Rodney McLeod participate in the seven-on-seven, seven. Yep. and uh, Ben, you and I were there. Malcolm Jenkins turned around; he's ready. You know, they're getting ready to start the period. And C-Mac, you've noted before how Malcolm is the first to sprint out to start a, a defensive session. He turns around and he's got uh, Darby and McLeod next to him, and he's like, "Oh, all right, get the cavalry uh, going." A couple so. plays later, uh, Malcolm had a great pass breakup against Alshon Jeffrey uh, in the back of the end zone. It was a really impressive play. Yeah, I thought it was a good read by Alshon and Wentz. Kind of Jenkins was smothering him on the back line, and Wentz was going to throw it to the back shoulder, back to the inside. Jenkins felt it just as Alshon was looking inside there and broke it up. But I kind of liked the rapport by the quarterback and receiver to be on mm. the same page there. So that area of the end zone was featured heavily uh, in this drill because yep. uh, a couple plays later, Zach Ertz catches a touchdown. To me, looked like he had both feet in. John Ferrari came over. Uh, he he signals touchdown. 
Corey Unlin was uh, was not happy with the with the outcome <laughs> of that call. He 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 and John Ferrari. Uh, went well, Unlin felt like he had the best view of it. He was sitting he was in the back right of the end there. zone, yes. like literally two or three yards away from Ertz. I think Wentz whizzed it right past Alex Singleton's head down the seam. He wasn't looking. Ertz caught it nice and high, but couldn't tell if he drugged the foot or if he got it in uh, just after the uh, the white line, the back line there. But Unlin obviously supporting his defensive backs, of course, calling it incomplete. But, but. the trash talk between. Unlin and Deuce Daly. Right. That yeah. was the best part. Because Deuce, Deuce is like 30 yards down the field and he's chirping, that's a touchdown, that's a touchdown. Well, and, and that got Deuce, I think, a little fired up because the next period there was a it was backed up, so they're working out from the end zone. And there was a, a penalty Ben Uriah references earlier. Pre-snap, oh, is it false start? Is it offside? Is it false start? I couldn't offsides? tell here. Yeah, yeah we, we couldn't see. There were too many bodies in front of us, but the referee signals false start. Yep. Deuce was Angry, like he runs to the he runs to the ref. He was a like, Ben. You said he looked like, like a baseball manager, <laughs> kind of coming out of the dugout to let him, you know, give him a little of the business. No idea who was called on, but it was uh, that was a fun little sequence. Um, right after that Zach Ertz touchdown, uh, Nelson made an outstanding catch uh, up. You climb the ladder, hands catch back of the end zone. Uh, great throw from Carson Wentz on that one as well. So uh, some big big time plays, I thought, on both sides uh, in this show. I thought it was a it was a good day of practice, especially you know you figure that's a Friday day. If most Friday practice look like that, I think you feel pretty good as a coaching staff. I was going to say, you at the beginning of practice, it kind of had a feel of what I almost expected yesterday's practice right. to be, being the 10-10-10, the lighter practice. It almost seemed like that that type of atmosphere was carrying over into today, but you had a lot of fights in this. You had the competitiveness going out there. You know, I, I think that's good to see. Like like you said, if your team is having Friday practices like this week in and week out, good about it. you're, you're going to be good going to most game days. All right, so uh, again, the number one, you guys have done a great job with this. The number one way to support the show is we get closer and closer and closer to the start of the 2019 season. Go rate and subscribe wherever they are, rate and review wherever you subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever it is. Go and leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I talked about T Grizz earlier and that great question. A couple comments real quick from uh, MZ Kaufman. Uh, been listening for years, essential listening for any Eagles fan that wants to get into the intricacies of the roster and the game. Can't wait for the breakdowns to start uh, once uh, games begin. And yes, that will return once uh, the regular season is back. Greg Cosell will be in studio every Monday night. He and I will kind of talk through what we saw on the film from the previous day's game. So looking forward uh, to having Greg back in studio on a weekly basis to talk through what we saw on film. And then last question or last comment here I want to hit on today. Big Shemmy 79 said he's new to podcasts. I knew I know I'm late, but great to be here. So Shemmy, really appreciate uh, you going and, and subscribing and then listen, leaving the uh, the rating and the review. Uh, just so you guys know, it's not just this podcast we want you to listen to because uh, no matter what your you know level of fandom is, what you're interested in, if you're more of a casual fan, if you're more of a hardcore fan, if you want to lo- know more about the Eagles or more about just football in general, we've got you covered because we've got this podcast, obviously heavy X's and O's, where we'll get into heavy football talk, but then you've got Eagles Live with Dave Spadaro. He goes heavy on the Eagles. If you want to get behind the scenes, exclusive of interviews with you know Doug Peterson and with Howie Roseman and other and great players all during the throughout the calendar year. That's the podcast for you. Dave does a great job with that every single week, and they will be back twice a week uh, in season as well. You'll have a Monday show and as well as a Thursday preview show. 
Then Ben and I, every single week, Journey of the Draft, we're talking college football prospects uh, for next year's draft. We're talking X's and O's and player evaluation in general, big picture, small picture, uh, previews for every weekend in college football. Love doing that show on a weekly basis. The Feeding the Birds podcast with one of our head chefs, uh, Tim Lopez, is always a fun listen. Uh, I had uh, actually the sandwich uh, that Brandon Brooks had uh, on the most recent, the Brooksy. Really? Uh, I had that for lunch today. Well, you you were... Uh a guest on a recent episode. I was well, at the end of last season. Of we, season we talked. Uh, we talked cheesesteaks uh, all day. Yeah. I, I'll, look, I'll, if there's one thing I'll talk about like all day outside of football, it is 100% <laughs> food. Like I, we, we will have food debates uh, all day. So uh, that's always a fun podcast. And then uh, as well, these aren't original shows, but if you want to catch our content, uh, that you can catch on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app elsewhere. We've got the Eagles on the Record channel. That's all press conferences, studio interviews, exclusive stuff. Anything you can get there from that standpoint, you can catch on the Eagles on the record. Our Game Day Central page, our uh, podcast feed, that's everything from Game Day. So the post-game show, post-game press conferences, exclusive one-on-one interviews, you'll get all that uh, on the Game Day Central. And then Eagles 360, c uh, comes back on Sunday, Molly Sullivan hosting. So that channel will start getting uh, more episodes up- updated into that feed coming soon. So a lot of podcast offerings here uh, from the Eagles, uh, from, you know, from our uh, entertainment network so make sure you take an eye keep an eye out for all those different podcast offerings all right uh tomorrow we'll be back here on the eagle line the sky podcast i catch up with nick church nick turchin to talk about the new york giants uh and what they're doing from an x and o standpoint how their uh roster looks going in the next year how do they match up with the eagles they don't face each other what is it week 13 14, week 14 two times in the last four weeks which is is kind of crazy but a uh, very interesting situation we'll see how the giants and eagles match up in tomorrow's episode until then For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you tomorrow.